Chapter thirty four of Education. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Education by Ellen G. White. Chapter thirty four The Under Teacher Discipline. Train, admonish, encourage, be long suffering. One of the first lessons a child needs to learn is the lesson of obedience. Before he is old enough to reason, he may be taught to obey. By gentle, persistent effort, the habit should be established. Thus, to a great degree, may be prevented those later conflicts between will and authority that do so much to create alienation and bitterness towards parents and teachers, and too often resistance of all authority, human and divine. The object of discipline is the training of the child for self-government. He should be taught self-reliance and self-control. Therefore, as soon as he is capable of understanding, his reason should be enlisted on the side of obedience. Let all dealing with him be such as to show obedience to be just and reasonable. Help him to see that all things are under law, and that disobedience leads in the end to disaster and suffering. When God says, Thou shalt not, he in love warns us of the consequences of disobedience, in order to save us from harm and loss. Help the child to see that parents and teachers are representatives of God, and that, as they act in harmony with Him, their laws in the home and the school are also His. As the child is to render obedience to parents and teachers, so they in turn are to render obedience to God. To direct the child's development without hindering it by undue control should be the study of both parent and teacher. Too much management is as bad as too little. The effort to break the will of a child is a terrible mistake. Minds are constituted differently. While force may secure outward submission, the result with many children is a more determined rebellion of the heart. Even should the parent or teacher succeed in gaining the control he seeks, the outcome may be no less harmful to the child. The discipline of a human being who has reached the years of intelligence should differ from the training of a dumb animal. The beast is taught only submission to its master. For the beast, the master is mind, judgment, and will. This method, sometimes employed in the training of children, makes them little more than automatons. Mind, will, conscience are under the control of another. It is not God's purpose that any mind should be thus dominated. Those who weaken or destroy individuality assume a responsibility that can result only in evil. While under authority, children may appear like well-drilled soldiers, but when the control ceases, the character will be found to lack strength and steadfastness. Having never learned to govern himself, the youth recognizes no restraint except the requirement of parent or teacher. This removed, he knows not how to use his liberty, and often gives himself up to indulgence that proves his ruin. Since the surrender of the will is so much more difficult for some pupils than for others, the teacher should make obedience to his requirements as easy as possible. The will should be guided and molded, but not ignored or crushed. Save the strength of the will, in the battle of life it will be needed. Every child should understand the true force of the will. He should be led to see how great is the responsibility involved in this gift. The will is the governing power in the nature of man, the power of decision or choice. Every human being possessed of reason has power to choose the right. In every experience of life God's word to us is, Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Everyone may place his will on the side of the will of God, may choose to obey him, and by thus linking himself with divine agencies, he may stand where nothing can force him to do evil. In every youth, every child, lies the power by the help of God to form a character of integrity and to live a life of usefulness. The parent or teacher who by such instruction trains the child to self-control will be the most useful and permanently successful. To the superficial observer his work may not appear to the best advantage. It may not be valued so highly as that of the one who holds the mind and will of the child under absolute authority, but after years will show the result of the better method of training. 
the wise educator in dealing with his pupils will seek to encourage confidence and to strengthen the sense of honor children and youth are benefited by being trusted many even of the little children have a high sense of honor all desire to be treated with confidence and respect and this is their right they should not be led to feel that they cannot go out or come in without being watched suspicion demoralizes producing the very evils it seeks to prevent instead of watching continually as if suspecting evil teachers who are in touch with their pupils will discern the workings of the restless mind and will set to work influences that will counteract evil lead the youth to feel that they are trusted and there are few who will not seek to prove themselves worthy of the trust on the same principle it is better to request than to command the one thus addressed has opportunity to prove himself loyal to right principles his obedience is the result of choice rather than compulsion the rules governing the schoolroom should so far as possible represent the voice of the school every principle involved in them should be so placed before the student that he may be convinced of its justice thus he will feel a responsibility to see that the rules which he himself has helped to frame are obeyed rules should be few and well considered and once made they should be enforced whatever it is found impossible to change the mind learns to recognize and adapt itself to but the possibility of indulgence induces desire hope and uncertainty and the results are restlessness irritability and insubordination it should be made plain that the government of god knows no compromise with evil neither in the home nor in the school should disobedience be tolerated no parent or teacher who has at heart the well-being of those under his care will compromise with the stubborn self-will that defies authority or results to subterfuge or evasion in order to escape obedience it is not love but sentimentalism that palters with wrongdoing seeks by coaxing or bribes to secure compliance and finally accepts some substitute in place of the thing required fools make a mock at sin we should beware of treating sin as light thing terrible its power over the wrongdoer his own iniquity shall take the wicked himself and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin the greatest wrong done to a child or youth is to allow him to become fastened in the bondage of evil habit the youth have an inborn love of liberty they desire freedom and they need to understand that these inestimable blessings are to be enjoyed only in obedience to the law of god this law is the preserver of true freedom and liberty it points out and prohibits those things that degrade and enslave and thus to the obedient it affords protection from the power of evil the psalmist says i will walk at liberty for i seek thy precepts thy testimonies also are my delight and my counsellors in our efforts to correct evil we should guard against a tendency to be fault-finding or censure continual censure bewilders but does not reform with many minds and often those of the finest susceptibility an atmosphere of unsympathetic criticism is fatal to effort flowers do not unfold under the breath of a blighting wind a child frequently censured for some special fault comes to regard that fault as his peculiarity something against which it is vain to strive thus are created discouragement and hopelessness often concealed under an appearance of indifference or bravado the true object of reproof is gained only when the wrongdoer himself is led to see his fault and his will is enlisted for its correction when this is accomplished point him to the source of pardon and power seek to preserve his self-respect and to inspire him with courage and hope this work is the nicest the most difficult ever committed to human beings it requires the most delicate tact the finest susceptibility a knowledge of human nature and a heaven-born faith and patience willing to work and watch and wait it is a work than which nothing can be more important those who desire to control others must first control themselves to deal passionately with a child or youth will only arouse his resentment when a parent or teacher becomes impatient and is in danger of speaking unwisely let him remain silent there is wonderful power in silence the teacher must expect to meet perverse dispositions and obdurate hearts but in dealing with them he should never forget that he himself was once a child in need of discipline even now with all his advantages of age 
education and experience he often errs and is in need of mercy and forbearance in training the youth he should consider that he is dealing with those who have inclinations to evil similar to his own they have almost everything to learn and it is much more difficult for some to learn than for others with the dull pupil he should bear patiently not censuring his ignorance but improving every opportunity to give him encouragement with sensitive nervous pupils he should deal very tenderly a sense of his own imperfection should lead him constantly to manifest sympathy and forbearance towards those who also are struggling with difficulties the saviour's rule as ye would that men should do to you do ye also to them likewise should be the rule of all who undertake the training of children in youth they are the younger members of the lord's family heir with us of the grace of life christ's rule should be sacredly observed toward the dullest the youngest the most blundering and even toward the erring and rebellious this rule will lead the teacher to avoid so far as possible making public the faults or errors of a pupil he will seek to avoid giving reproof or punishment in the presence of others he will not expel a student until every effort has been put forth for his reformation but when it becomes evident that the student is receiving no benefit himself while his defiance or disregard of authority tends to overthrow the government of the school and his influence is contaminating others then his expulsion becomes a necessity yet with many the disgrace of public expulsion would lead to utter recklessness and ruin in most cases when removal is unavoidable the matter need not be made public by counsel and cooperation with the parents let the teacher privately arrange for the student's withdrawal in this time of special danger for the young temptations surround them on every hand and while it is easy to drift the strongest effort is required in order to press against the current every school should be a city of refuge for the tempted youth a place where their folly shall be dealt with patiently and wisely teachers who understand their responsibilities will separate from their own hearts and lives everything that would prevent them from dealing successfully with the willful and disobedient love and tenderness patience and self-control will at all times be the law of their speech mercy and compassion will be blended with justice when it is necessary to give reproof their language will not be exaggerated but humble in gentleness they will set before the wrongdoer his errors and help him to recover himself every true teacher will feel that should he err at all it is better to err on the side of mercy than on the side of sovereignty many youth who are thought incorrigible are not at heart so hard as they appear many who are regarded as hopeless may be reclaimed by wise discipline these are often the ones who most readily melt under kindness let the teacher gain the confidence of the tempted one and by recognizing and developing the good in his character he can in many cases correct the evil without calling attention to it the divine teacher bears with the erring through all their perversity his love does not grow cold his efforts to win them do not cease with outstretched arms he waits to welcome again and again the erring the rebellious and even the apostate his heart is touched with the helplessness of the little child subject to rough usage the cry of human suffering never reaches his ear in vain though all are precious in his sight the rough sullen stubborn dispositions draw most heavily upon his sympathy and love for he traces from cause to effect the one who is most easily tempted and is most inclined to err is a special object of his solicitude every parent and every teacher should cherish the attributes of him who makes the cause of the afflicted the suffering and the tempted his own he should be the one who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity jesus treats us far better than we deserve and as he has treated us so we are to treat others the course of no parent or teacher is justifiable if it is unlike that which under similar circumstances the saviour would pursue beyond the discipline of the home and the school all have to meet the stern discipline of life how to meet this wisely is a lesson that should be made plain to every child and to every youth it is true that god loves us that he is working for our happiness and that if his law had always been obeyed we should never have known suffering and it is no less true that in this world as the result of sin suffering trouble burdens come to every life 
we may do the children and the youth a lifelong good by teaching them to meet bravely these troubles and burdens while we should give them sympathy let it never be such as to foster self-pity what they need is that which stimulates and strengthens rather than weakens they should be taught that this world is not a parade ground but a battlefield all are called to endure hardness as good soldiers they are to be strong and quit themselves like men let them be taught that the true test of character is found in the willingness to bear burdens to take the hard place to do the work that needs to be done though it bring no earthly recognition or reward the true way of dealing with trial is not by seeking to escape it but by transforming it this applies to all discipline the earlier as well as the later the neglect of the child's earliest training and the consequent strengthening of wrong tendencies makes his after education more difficult and causes discipline to be too often a painful process painful it must be to the lower nature crossing as it does the natural desires and inclinations but the pain may be lost sight of in a higher joy let the child and the youth be taught that every mistake every fault every difficulty conquered becomes a stepping stone to better and higher things it is through such experiences that all who have ever made life worth the living have achieved success the heights by great men reached and kept were not attained by sudden flight but they while their companions slept were toiling upward in the night we rise by the things that are under our feet by what we have mastered of good or gain by the pride disposed and the passion slain and vanquished ills that we hourly meet all common things each day's event that with the hour begin and end our pleasures and our discontents are rounds by which we may ascend we are to look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are unseen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are unseen are eternal the exchange we make in the denial of selfish desires and inclinations is an exchange of the worthless and transitory for the precious and enduring this is not sacrifice but infinite gain something better is the watchword of education the law of all true living whatever christ asks us to renounce he offers in its stead something better often the youth cherish objects pursuits and pleasures that may not appear to be evil but that fall short of the highest good they divert the life from its noblest aim arbitrary measures or direct denunciation may not avail in leading these youths to relinquish that which they hold dear let them be directed to something better than display ambition or self-indulgence bring them in contact with truer beauty with loftier principles and with nobler lives lead them to behold the one altogether lovely when once the gaze is fixed upon him the life finds its centre the enthusiasm the generous devotion the passionate ardour of the youth find here their true object duty becomes a delight and sacrifice a pleasure to honour christ to become like him to work for him is the life's highest ambition and its greatest joy the love of christ constraineth End of chapter thirty four